The Lutheran Hour, bringing Christ to the nations. God is above all, but that doesn't mean material stuff is somehow beneath him. Dr. Michael Ziegler talks about the unique nature of Christian spirituality. So we can say that the Christian faith is spiritual, but it doesn't mean that it's mainly or only concerned with the spiritual category. No, it just means that God, through his Son and his Spirit, decided to relate to you as a friend. A real friend, not a Facebook friend. And we'll hear more from author Trevor Sutton and Deaconess Dorothy Glenn today on The Lutheran Hour. Hello, I'm Mark Eicher. Thanks for making this program part of your day, and thank you for your faithful support. Your gifts and prayers help the Lutheran Hour bring Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. Learn more at lutheranhour.org. Now here's our speaker, Dr. Michael Ziegler. There's a saying that's captured in an acronym, KISS, K-I-S-S. I asked my mom once, and she told me it means, keep it simple, stupid. Great advice, a wise man once said. Hurts my feelings every time I hear it. The KISS principle comes from the field of engineering. In that context, it means that systems work best when they're kept simple rather than complicated. But some things in life aren't simple, no matter how hard we try to make them. It's like how Arnold Palmer said of the game of golf. He said that it is deceptively simple yet endlessly complicated. Or if you ask your single friend, how is your love life? She might say, it's complicated. Keeping it simple is an ideal for engineers, but it's not the reality that we live in most of the time. And it doesn't help to pretend that it is. There's another saying that goes, complex problems always have simple, easy-to-understand, wrong answers. And this is the case with the Christian faith. The keep it simple principle doesn't apply to the Christian faith, or at least not in the same way, because the Christian faith isn't a system. It's a relationship with the creator of an endlessly complicated universe. Consider those other two examples I just mentioned, golf and romantic relationships. These also confound the keep it simple principle. They are endlessly complicated because they involve people. The thing that makes golf complicated isn't the game, it's the human being who plays the game. And in romantic relationships, although some people consider themselves players, you're not playing a game, you are interacting with the greatest, most mysterious part of God's endlessly complicated creation, a fellow human being. And you know how complex a problem being human is. You live it every day. And this complexity is only magnified as you live in relationship with other humans. And in the midst of that tangled web of relationships, you also continually, whether you know it or not, are always living in relation to your Creator. And it's this relationship that the Christian faith aims to bring into focus. So when we talk about the Christian faith, the keep it simple principle is an admirable goal, but sometimes when you're dealing with something complicated, a simple answer is only a half-truth. 
For instance, here's a simple account of the Christian faith. Christianity is about spirituality. Maybe you've heard someone explain the faith in that way, right? Christianity is spiritual. If you're searching for Christian content in a bookstore or on a podcast platform, you'll probably find it in the spirituality section. And there's some truth to this. Jesus himself said that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 24. Christianity is about spiritual matters, but that's only half the truth. Now, half-truths are all around us, and often half-truths are practical. Take a two-by-four, for example. If you go to your local hardware store and say, I'd like to buy a two-by-four, two-by-four referring to the dimensions of a wood board. It's a common piece of lumber of varying lengths, but all are two inches wide and four inches tall. But that's only half true. In the past, these boards were truly two inches by four inches, but now, for a variety of reasons, they're actually only one and a half by three and a half inches. But I'd like to buy a one and a half by three and a half as a mouthful to say, so we just keep it simple and call it a two by four. Here's another example of a half-truth, one that is more closely related to this half-truth that Christianity is spiritual. It has to do with social media, if you're into social media. It has to do with what you call those people that you're connected with virtually. Virtual, there's another half-truth. What do you call those people that you're connected with on social media? You call them friends, right? But how many of those people would drop what they're doing today and come and help you if you're in a pinch? How many of those people do you regularly talk with on the phone or see in person? How many of those people really know you? We call them friends for shorthand, just like we call it a two-by-four for shorthand. But we ought not forget the actual dimensions of a true friend. And it's the same for the half-truth that Christianity is about spirituality. Because in the Christian faith, spiritual is shorthand for our relationship with God, the Father, in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, who is seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. What happens when you mistake a half-truth for a whole truth? Well, let's say you have an old house, one that was built in the 1930s, and you're repairing a wall in the house. And you have to replace one of the two-by-fours in the wall. So you go to the hardware store and buy a new two-by-four and put it with the originals from 1930. The problem is, it won't match. So also with this word spiritual. In the Christian faith, it doesn't match with other uses of that word. For example, there's a view of the world that says that reality comes in basically two categories. So imagine we had a whiteboard, and we were going to put all of reality into two categories. And on the left side, we would make the heading material, that is, material realities. And on the right side, we would make the heading spiritual, that is, spiritual realities. What would we list under the spiritual heading? We might list things like angels, demons, heaven, souls, and, of course, God. And what would we list on the other side, under the material heading? We might list things like earth, and rocks, trees, bodies, birds. And notice, 
in our lists how human beings are a special case. We're somewhere in the middle, like baby birds temporarily nested in a material world, but destined to come fly in the spiritual skies. That view of the world might sound like Christianity, but it's not. It has more to do with an ancient belief system called Platonism, named after the Greek philosopher Plato. Now, historically speaking, Christianity and Platonism have closely interacted with each other for about 2,000 years, so it would be understandable if we confuse the two. But here, let's keep it simple. The dimensions don't match. Because in the Christian faith, we put the dividing line in a different place. You see, we got God, the Creator, on the one side of the board, and everything else on the other side. There's the creation, which includes material and spiritual beings, and then there's the Creator, who's totally in a separate class. This means that in the Christian view, angels have more in common with rocks than they do with God. And human beings, bodies and souls, have more in common with trees than they do with God because we're all creatures. And there was a time when we creatures didn't even exist until God cared enough to create us. But God was and is and ever shall be. So we can say that the Christian faith is spiritual, but it doesn't mean that it's mainly or only concerned with the spiritual category. No, it just means that God, through his Son and his Spirit, decided to relate to you as a friend. A real friend, not a Facebook friend. So how do you get to be someone's friend? You have to get to know them. You have to spend time with them and hang out with them and find out about them and you learn what makes them laugh and what makes them cry and what moves them. You get to know them personally. The Christian faith simply says that God already knows you completely. And the Christian faith says that God created you so that you could start to get to know him in return. So what is God into? Some people think that God being spirit is mainly into spiritual things. But Christians, when we read the Bible, one of the first things we get to know about God is that he's really into material things. Genesis chapter 1, seven times we hear God say, it is good. The material world is good, very good. He says, and then one of the last things that we hear about God in the Bible is that he's still committed to his material creation for good. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5, we hear that when Jesus is going to return visibly to earth to raise the dead, he's going to look at everything the Father made through him, and he's going to say, look, I am making all things new. Notice that he doesn't say, Hey guys, look, I'm going to make all new things. This material things plan didn't work out so well the first time, so now we're just going to go exclusively spiritual. No, he doesn't say that. He says, look, friends, I'm going to make all things new. What we learn about God in the Bible is that he's really into spiritual and material things all mixed together. 
So much so that God, the Father, sent his Son, his Son, who's on the God side of reality, the Creator side of the reality, and Jesus stepped into our side and became a human being, a spiritual material being, and he took our issues and our complications and our problems and our sin onto his human body. He carried them to the cross and he died with them. And on the third day, he rose again from death with that same body and he's got the scars on his hands to prove it. And today he is alive in his body in heaven and through his body on earth, the church, and he deals with us in material things in water, in baptism, in bread and wine, in communion. So what can we say? He's a, he's a spiritual, relational God who's really into material things. A few years ago, a famous biologist wrote an open letter to a Christian pastor. The biologist was Edward Wilson, who's been called the Darwin of the 21st century. Edward was raised in the Christian faith. But as a young man, he rejected his faith in favor of what he calls secular humanism. Now he's a secular humanist, and he believes that the material world is all there is. It's all we have. And he's afraid we're ruining it and that there'll be no fixing it. And so this is why he wrote this letter to the pastor. He wrote it to persuade the pastor and other spiritual people to take better care of this earth. And when I read it, I can't help but think that Edward didn't really know what he was rejecting when he rejected the Christian faith. It seems he rejected half-truths. Now, I'm not saying that he would repent on the spot and turn back to Jesus if he heard this. I'm only saying that it's better to know what you're rejecting before you reject it. And it sounds like Edward rejected the faith because he thought it taught us to care less about people and less about this earth that is our home. And for him, the most uncaring part of Christianity is the teaching about hell. He says it's a message of cruelty and despair. It's cruel to condemn people to suffer eternity in hell, all for a mistake they made in a choice of spirituality. Edward makes it sound like the Christian faith is an afterlife insurance policy for those shrewd enough to buy, to get baptized, to say the sinner's prayer. They go to spiritual paradise when they die. But those who miss the deal will have hell to pay. Now look, I can't solve the mystery of evil and suffering and hell. It's a complicated part of the faith, and many Christians have struggled with it. But let's just try keeping it simple. The Christian faith is a relationship. It's a -a one-of-a-kind relationship. It's the one truly life-giving relationship God offers you by his Spirit, through his Son, Jesus. If you or I say no to Jesus, we're not just rejecting a spiritual life. If, If we say no to Jesus, we're rejecting all of life, spiritual and material, body and soul, heaven and earth. And then 
all that's left is hell. But Jesus came to save you from that by becoming your friend. And this friend is the genius behind creation's spiritual, material complexity. He is the talent in the performance of the universe. He is the love in every person who's ever loved you. He is the love who makes it possible for you to love in return. Jesus is the love of God for you. So talk to him with me. Dear Jesus, would you help me get to know you as a friend, a real friend? Amen. You're listening to The Lutheran Hour. For free online resources, archived audio, our mobile app, and more, go to lutheranhour.org. Once again, here's our speaker, Dr. Michael Ziegler. I'm visiting today with Deaconess Dorothy Glenn. Welcome, Dorothy. It's great to be here again. Tell us where you serve. I serve at Emmanuel Lutheran Church and School in Olivet, which is in St. Louis, Missouri. And also joining us is Pastor Trevor Sutton. Welcome, Trevor. 
Thanks for having me. And tell us where you serve, Trevor. I serve at St. Luke Lutheran Church in Lansing, Michigan. Pastor Sutton is also the author of a book that we're discussing. It's titled Clearly Christian, Following Jesus in This Age of Confusion. And today we're talking about this half-truth that you've probably heard, uh, this half-truth that Christianity is spiritual. Uh, Dorothy, I talked about this in the message today, and Trevor addresses this confusion about spirituality in the book. Uh, What was something important, an important insight that you found gathered in this section of the book? In my undergrad, I took a class called The Psychology of Religion. And what I found to be really interesting, and I promise it connects with what we're talking about. Um, We're both geeks, so you already got us interested. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, ooh. (laughs) Um, Is this understanding of spirituality uh, versus religiosity and how in our society people would much rather identify as spiritual rather than religious because of the implications of what people see as Christianity and as religion because religiosity has some sort of idea of of being overpowering, oppressive, people who just want to shove things down your throat, and how spirituality has an openness. And actually what people are seeing as spirituality is what we as Christians understand as our religion. Yeah, that there's there's structure to it. There are practices. There is a tradition that we join. We're not making it up as we go along. Trevor, how have you seen this half-truth that Christianity is spiritual? How have you seen it cause confusion? I've seen it, uh, oddly enough, uh, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. uh, He helped me understand this in a really strange way. Nietzsche in this book, Twilight of the Idols, where he just blasts Christianity kind of through and through. He's he's no fan of it uh, by any means. But Throughout this book, he he talks as if Christians hate this world and hate life in this world because they're only concerned with spiritual things. Uh, He he talks about the Christian faith like it's about leaving this world, and that's the goal of it. Uh, And he uses that to say, like, why do you hate life in this world so much? He's wrong in many ways, but it made it really clear to me that that if the Christian life is only about being spiritual, and if the Christian life is this rejection of God's creation, of life in this world, of, of caring for the neighbor, of flesh and blood things, if, if that's what the Christian life is, if it's a rejection of that, then I can see his point. We have to articulate to the world what it means to be spiritual and what it means to embrace life in creation and, and, and how to keep those two clear, but also separate, and how to articulate it. Trevor, what else, What would you want to say to somebody? that what, what deep Christian teachings could help clarify this confusion that Christianity is only concerned about spiritual things? Somewhere I'd heard that uh, Christmas and Easter, you know, the, the two days of the, the church calendar where you get probably the most people that, that are maybe new to the Christian faith or know little about it, and the most visitors at the church, uh, Christmas and Easter— uh, those are the two days when the church makes its most audacious claims. <laughs> God came into human flesh, and Jesus lived and died and rose again. And those are two of the biggest 
boldest, you could say audacious claims that the, the church makes, that, that scripture makes. But both of those claims are deeply physical claims, right? So God came into this world, how? Flesh and blood, you know, divinity and DNA um, coming together. And that's just powerful. And then the resurrection is not a, a spiritual resurrection, not a, a, a sighting or a, a vision. It is flesh and blood. And I just love the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus where he's like, put your finger here. Come, come um, have breakfast, hey, let me, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. Let me <laughs> let me eat this, you know, and let's break bread. I mean, it's just, um, so yeah, it's just, it's powerful to realize the, the most foundational claims of the Christian faith are deeply physical claims. Not not only physical, they're spiritual, but they're physical. So it's, it is true that Christianity is about spirituality because God, the Father, who is by nature not flesh, uh, is, is spirit in this kind of capital S, spirit way, creator, and yet he, he likes material things and wants to dwell in material things, so much so that he, he sends his, his word, his son, to become a human being, and now sends his spirit to fill us who belong to Jesus, to dwell in material things. So it is, it's kind of a half, it's a half truth, but it's not the whole truth. We're not sitting here twiddling our thumbs waiting to die. We're here interacting in community as was given to us when we talk about creation. Adam, it was not good that Adam was alone. And so he was given Eve. And we have that sense of community and what you talk about in the book of Paulus. And this idea that that is good for us and so it would also make sense that God meets us in that community. Jesus says in John 17, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But then he says, as you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And, and Jesus is talking about his disciples, that we are sent into the world. We're not of it, but boy, we are, as you said, Dorothy, we are deployed uh, to, to, to flesh and blood ministry with our neighbors. Thank you both for joining us. If you wanted to read more about this, how to embrace creation, Pastor Sutton's got some good practical things that you can do. Check out the book. It's called Clearly Christian. Taught by our Lord and trusting in his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Hour Ministries.